We have been blessed at the Ponderosa. We have a new calf. Oh, isn't that sweet? Lori takes pictures and gets it on Facebook, and you wouldn't believe the response from a new calf. I can say, I shot under par. Nobody cares. <laughs> but we get a new cow, and the, the whole world rejoices. So, hey, <laughs> we're happy to have a new calf. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 7 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 11. But to recap some of chapter 6, we hear the Lord saying, when you prosper and when you're enjoying the blessings of God, he says, don't be prone to forget who and where your prosperity comes from. And God is speaking to Moses in Deuteronomy 6.11, and he tells him, when you have eaten and are full, beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. It's difficult to be alert and conscientious of any dangers near us when we have eaten and are full. Sunday afternoons, I am basically worthless. Especially after we've had a potluck here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday noontime. And more than likely, I have overeaten too many trips through the dessert line. We've closed up the church, and Lori and I are on our long drive home, about 20 minutes. And Lori begins to get concerned that I will take my afternoon nap while driving. You know, with a full belly, the blood flow stops about right here, and it doesn't go to the head. And my conversation on the way home will become, yeah, and uh-huh. <laughs> and I only have one desire, get home, turn on the golf channel, and zone out. Now, I thoroughly enjoy golf, but the golf channel, it can put the most hardy of souls to sleep instantly. And now we have God telling Moses, when life is easy, when you have eaten and you are full, and then he goes, beware. Every now and again, I will go to a pastor's conference, and I pity the poor speaker that has that after-lunch session. You got a room full of sleepy overeaters who are trying desperately to stay awake. And to say they're going to absorb or receive anything from that session, <laughs> it was almost a joke. But you go and you try to stay awake. But our Lord, He wants us to be blessed by himself. But our lives can be dull, routine, and we can be near a comatose state. So this morning, wake up, 
beware and remember that God has delivered us from Egypt. To be delivered from Egypt meant that God has delivered his people from bondage, the bondage of sin and the bondage of slavery. And we, as born-again believers, if we've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, we can forget the bondage that sin had on us in our lives. We can forget what we've been delivered from. And whenever we see a fellow believer getting all legalistic over certain issues, that legalistic believer has forgotten the bondage that sin had over him in his life before he became a believer. I once heard a description of a legalistic Christian, and I liked it. They're a person who wants to tighten up the standards once they're in. And how true it is. And if we're not careful, we can begin to resent God's grace going out to the sinful, to those that need salvation. So verse 12 in chapter 6 says, Beware, be cautious, be careful, lest you forget the Lord who delivered you out of Egypt and its bondage. Moses tells the people, Fear the Lord your God and serve him and keep the promises that you made to him. It's okay to make promises to God. Just make sure you keep them. We're told in Scripture, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But we're to be careful about any oaths or promises that we would make to God because God expects us to keep them. And when we face desperate situations we can have a tendency to make rash promises to God. I know what that's like. When I was a young man in my mid-twenties, I thought I was an athlete. I played softball on about three or four different teams and on different nights of the week. And I was feeling guilty. Well, the Lord was actually convicting me of playing too much ball. So I promised God that Wednesday nights would be a night where I would go to church and it would be a night that I gave to the Lord. And I was faithful to this promise for several weeks. Yeah. When the coach of my favorite team called me and he said, Hey, Don. I've scheduled us a game with that team that thinks they're better than we are. Guess what? It was on a Wednesday night. Well, my promise to God concerning Wednesday nights, all of a sudden it got optional. It wasn't a true promise. And so I went to the softball complex, and I couldn't find my team. There was many diamonds, that, a lot of games going on. So I'm headed back to my car. I still had time to make it to church for Wednesday night. 
Well, I was walking by another game that was going on, and one of the fellows on that team recognized me, and he said, hey, come fill in. We need one more player, or we're going to have to forfeit our game. Aha, the moment of decision. Well, I caved in. We took the field. They even let me play my position, shortstop. The very first pitch of the game, this batter hits a soft pop fly over my head. Well, I turn and I'm running for it. And somebody turned out the lights all of a sudden. I ran headfirst into the left fielder. I'm knocked out. I come to myself, he's laying on top of me. I flop him off of me, but they call an ambulance and uh, off to the emergency room I go. The left fielder, he has a few little cuts on his head and they treat him on the scene. I get to the emergency room, they wire up my jaw and they tell me that I'm gonna need to see a plastic surgeon for the fractures in my face. And with a fractured jaw wired up, a Teflon plate put under my left eye, I truly repented. <laughs> but to this day, I say all that to say this, Wednesday nights are special between me and God because I promised him Wednesday nights. And that was 45 years ago. So needless to say, I am cautious about making promises to God, especially the keeping them part. It's very hard to force me into an oath or a promise to God because I consider it something I have to keep. Israel has been delivered by God with a strong hand out of Egypt. Now God requires diligent obedience from them of his commandments and his statutes. In verse 18 of chapter 6, Israel uh, has been delivered, the believers, uh, and they're to do what is right in the eyes of God because doing right has its own reward. Verse 24, there's a benefit to fearing God and obeying God. And God says, so it will be well with you always. What a promise. And that was chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. But let's read verses 6 through 11 in chapter 7. And we have God speaking to Moses here. And he wants Moses to relate this to the people. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than all the other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because God, no, excuse me, because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of, of Egypt with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, 
the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercies for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. Israel, the awesome love that God has shown them out of his sovereignty, he has chosen Israel. That is a blessing that each and every Jewish person enjoys, knowing they are a special treasure to God. But you and I, we don't have to be envious of Israel or the Jew, for God has set his love on you and I as believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ. We read about this in John 15. So turn to John 15, and we will hear Jesus opening up his heart to his followers. In John 15, it's the Passion Week. It's that week before Jesus goes to the cross. And basically Jesus has one week before he faces the cross. Moses in the book of Deuteronomy he only has 45 days. The book of Deuteronomy only covers 45 days of Moses' life. And so Moses is near the end of his life. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And God wants us and the Jewish people to know one thing, that we're chosen by him. We pick up in John 15. Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. He is showing himself as a servant to his disciples. He is setting an example of how the disciples and how we are to serve. And we hear Jesus tell his disciples, As I have loved you, love one another. So let's read John 15, and we'll pick up in verse 9 and go through 17. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. 
a touching passage to say the least. Jesus has loved his disciples in the same way, in the same manner that God the Father has loved him. Jesus returns God the Father's love by obedience. He's obedient to the Father, and there's fellowship between them, and Jesus is abiding with the Father. Verse 11, by abiding in Christ, we have the benefits of that abiding. We have contentment. We have true happiness, not temporary happiness. We have fulfillment of life, and we have the fullness of joy. What more could you want from life? The command to love one another is repeated in verse 12, then verse 13. We're given the greatest act of love that anyone can do. And it's to lay down your life for your friends. How does that translate to our lives? It's simply putting a friend's needs above your own needs. That is, that's laying down your life. Jesus, God in the flesh, he's teacher, he's master of the disciples, and he has just washed their feet. The disciples, to say they're humbled by this uh, servant, the lowly servant act of Jesus washing their feet, they're just overwhelmed by it. Peter says something like, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you're not part of me. And so Peter allows the Lord to wash his feet. And they're, they're humbled that Jesus would wash their feet. But notice, they're not so humbled that they're willing to wash one another's feet. They're saying, Jesus, no, no, don't wash my feet. But you don't see them willing to wash each other's feet. Because the disciples had a constant argument that went on between them. Who is the greatest? If I want to be greater than you and I wash your feet, that means I'm your servant and you're greater than me. So they're not willing to wash one another's feet. They know it's a, an act of humility that their Lord washes their feet, but they're still not ready to wash one another's feet. Yet their Lord is just done that, washed their feet. And then Jesus moves on to verse 14. You are my friends if you obey my commands. And he says, I'm not calling you servants, but I'm calling you friends. And as friends, I have made known to you my Father's heart. What an awesome thing. We get to know God the Father through Jesus, through Jesus' behavior, through his action, and through his words. Now, I've brought us through all of this to bring you to verse 16. We have been chosen by God and appointed to bear fruit. 
fruit that remains. And as friends of Jesus, whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus the Son, he will give us. Now back up to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. And we have basically the same declaration of God to Moses. You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the entire face of the earth. And now we have Jesus just before going to the cross. And he tells the disciples and he's telling you and I the same thing. I have chosen you as friends. I have appointed you for salvation. And my promise to you is that anything you ask the Father in my name, he will do for you. What a large statement. I read that verse, and the first thing I want to do is put qualifiers on that verse. I want to say, yeah, the Lord will do anything for you as long as you're abiding in him and, and put qualifiers. But the qualifiers aren't there, are they? That's man's adding to the word. But I want to read that verse to you and let God stand by his own word. I have chosen you of friends. I have appointed you to salvation and I will do anything you ask in the name of the Father and just let it stand. Let God defend his own word. He doesn't have to do it through me and my commentation of his word. God is capable. He is faithful to defend his word. Jesus has one request, and it's not for himself. He has a request of us. He says, you're to love one another. That may involve that you looking or searching out a way to show love to one another. It may mean getting out of your comfort zone to love one another. If we want to please our God, if we want to be obedient to him, we've got to find ways to love one another. And it's that simple. And when we love one another, it means we can't take into account what it costs. Is the time, is it going to fit into my schedule? Will it be a big bother to me? Sometimes we can use the most pitiful excuses for not loving one another. Don't let that be the case. That's what Jesus wanted us to do. That's what the disciples witnessed Jesus doing for them, loving them as his servant. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.
Father, you give us all awesome promises, promises that seem just overwhelming. They're so open-ended with your love and just comfort towards us. We can ask anything in the name of Jesus, and you tell us you will do it. And Lord, I do. I want to put qualifiers on that. I want to sew up the loose ends of any statement like that. But you said it, and you meant it. So Lord, let me just declare your word in truth. And not worry about how you defend your word. How you perform your word in our hearts and lives, Lord. It's a great promise but you're a great God. So do a good work in our hearts and lives to believe your word, Lord. And Lord, you, you repeated it several times, we're to love one another. Let us do that, Lord. We want to be known as a people. We want to be known as a fellowship who loves one another, thus showing the world the beauty of you, Jesus. You're the only one who was the answers for this world, Lord. Let us be about you and your kingdom, and let us love one another. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.